your role is to come in there and identify all those dots. I would bet that the majority of these first responders, nobody's ever connected any of these dots for them. Once we did that, we started to see them say, hey, wait a minute, why don't you come to our firehouse? Come to the Virginia Fire Chiefs Association and talk about what you guys do. One of the most influential chiefs that we worked with, he made the comment to us, I wish I'd have known 20 years ago the information that you guys are sharing with me today. And that's powerful. Welcome to the Next Level Advisor. For this week's episode, Barry Fadley, founder of Madison Financial Strategies, details how identifying a niche or even overlooked clientele can create new business opportunities. In addition, he discusses how his practice successfully adjusted to a virtual environment and what the new normal means for the future. Number one, Barry, I, let me just tell you how much we appreciate you and your partnership and you joining us today. And the opportunity, number one, to not only have you as a friend, but as a partner is really, really important to me and important to our firm. And uh, we really appreciate your insights. And so just want to tell you, uh, number one, on, on behalf of myself and the entire team here at Pinnacle, we want to thank you for participating. Absolutely. And really appreciate your all's partnership and, and asking me to be, to be a part of it. I, I think you know, I had an opportunity to hear what you've done so far and speaking with some of the other reps across the country and really excited to be a part of it and share some insight in what we do and how we do it and you know how we uh, enjoy working with you guys as partners as well. First of all, before we get started, Barry, one of the things that we like to do here is is we like to learn a little bit about the people that we are talking to and and really learn about them, not just professionally, but personally. And what I want is I'm going to ask you to talk about and give me three things about yourself. And two of those things I want to be true. And one of them, we want to be alive. And then, uh, you know, as we go through the uh, discussion today, at the end of the discussion, we'll let the audience, you know, we'll let them in on which uh, which one is is the lie. So let's just start right now, Barry, with you giving me, give me three things about yourself. And for those of you that are listening, remember, one of them is going to be a lie, and we'll reveal what that is at the end of the uh, discussion. We'll start with number one. Uh, my favorite sport is baseball. Number two, I, I am an avid guitar player. And number three, my favorite color is pink. Ah. So got a diverse set of options to choose from there. Very, very diverse. Let's see, baseball guitar and favorite color is pink so for all of you that are listening keep that in mind and we'll figure out as we get through this discussion which uh which one of these things is not true about barry but let's let's dive right into this conversation barry because i because i think actually it's a really really timely discussion considering the marketplace that you work in and so maybe you can just give the listeners a little bit of background about madison financial strategies kind of how you got to where you are today as a business and, and then maybe even dive into the marketplace that you kind of focus in on as a firm. So we are a, you know, would put us in the category of, of comprehensive uh, financial advisors, meaning we obviously work with insurance, investments, financial planning, and, and we've got a very unique niche that, that has evolved over the years. And I would say niche, it's not an exclusive uh, area of focus, but it has almost by default uh, evolved into being a uh, significant piece of what we do. And that, that's working with the first responder community. Our team, one of them, uh, Jason Lesnick, he is a 32 plus year uh, member of the volunteer fire department in the local community where one of our offices is. And um, he's no longer active as far as running calls or anything of that nature, but he is very active on the board, very passionate. His involvement in that space has, has certainly been a, a huge factor in the evolution of us working within that community. It's, and I call it a community. It's really more of a fraternity. It's a brotherhood, very, very tight-knit group. 
and we've just been very blessed and fortunate over the years to to see our work in that space grow to the significance that that it is today you know the history behind that we have another counterpart uh, david he is his previous partner before he retired out of the business he actually was an fbi agent and our roots go all the way back into the 80s you know jimmy was a fbi agent and then as he retired from that and began a second career naturally he focuses in this space when dave began working with him um, all the way through when we all dave jason and i began working together there was roots within the police side jason the fire side and we decided to put all that together and create this kind of focused practice on first responders. So, Barry, you were talking about really the first responders community and the idea, number one, that you, that you really focus on comprehensive planning. And, and I think okay. that it's, it's important to identify that, Barry. When, when we say comprehensive, can you give an explanation as to what you mean by that? How do you look at planning in a comprehensive way for your clients? And, and then we'll get into the specific market segment because I do think, first of all, what an amazing, rewarding place to do this kind of, uh, to do this kind of work. And, you know, I, I want to touch on advocacy and education and philanthropy and all those things that you do in this space. But before we do that, give me Barry's definition. What does comprehensive planning mean? Really, I think we look at everything uh, from, from the sense of a pyramid, right? And, and uh, financial planning 101, looking at the, the basis of that pyramid being risk management. And so with our first responder community, most all of them, are pensioners, meaning they're gonna they're gonna retire with a pension, and so uh, but they also work in a field that is is a higher risk in nature, and uh, and they're aware of that obviously. So when we're sitting down with them, you know, it's not just a conversation about uh, investment management or investment strategies or or anything that's just solely related to investments. It's really taking a look at the entire equation and helping them understand how to you know, connect the dots between managing risk today as, as they're working through their professional years and working toward retirement, which, in, you know, typically is going to be sooner than most others are eligible for retirement. And, and then how, how they can plan for retirement and, and that pension election that they're going to have to make as far as the survivor options, et cetera. And, and so we, we want to go, go deep with them and help them think through and realize that, hey, we've got to manage risk today but we've also got to think about a pension and other long-term planning needs that we're going to have upon retirement. And are there other ways that we can help address both at the same time? And we're trying to sit down with folks and, and not, not just, again, not just look at today, but look at the long, long haul. Now that's a hard thing to get someone that's 25, 30 years old to think about, right? So while it's a goal, when we try to go in and educate and advocate more oftentimes than not, we're, we're sitting down with folks toward the tail end of their career and having these conversations. So, you know, let's define what that risk management piece is, right? So we know it's life insurance, it's, it's the disability insurance, it's long-term care. Those are the really the three components. In many cases, it's the health insurance, right? And what are those retiree healthcare benefits look like? And what are those strategies that we can deploy to make sure that we take advantage of and optimize what those benefits are? So um, when we say comprehensive, we're, we're really, you know, talking about not just investment, but also bringing in that risk management. You know, Barry, what you really do here is connect the dots. And that, and I think even, I go back, I, I tell a story about a friend of mine that, uh, you know, I met through my son's hockey community who is retired. He, he was a federal employee that worked as a, a contract employee for the Navy, but he had a pension. And, 
you know, I, I remember the discussion. We're sitting up here. Here's a conversation. You know, me as an executive, in, you know, at a distributor in the financial services space, he proactively reached out to me sitting up in the stands at, uh, at hockey practice. And he said, look, you know, I got this guy, he manages my money, but, you know, I'm confused. I have to make all these choices, right? And I'm thinking about your dots. As, as he's saying this, he says, well, what happens if I, you know, and he's an older, he's an older guy. He's, he's 63 years old. His son is 18. You know, so he's, he's asking me all these. And I'm, as you're saying, connecting the dots, I'm thinking about all these dots he laid out, right? And I can imagine, especially in the first responders community who, who he, you know, this guy's got a pension. He's got, you know, he's, he's saying, what about long-term care? What about college education? Nobody's ever taught. He's only talking to me about performance to my inv investment account. But I'm not talking about any of these decisions. I have to make decisions. How do I want, what kind of election do I want to make with my pension? All those things. And so what you're saying is your role is to come in there and identify all those dots and connect them and put it into almost a process and an outline that allows for a smooth transition into retirement, which is really, I think it's incredibly important. And I also think it's underserved because, I, and you could probably speak to this when you talk about advocacy, Barry, but you know, I would bet that the majority of these first responders, when you engage them, nobody's ever connected any of these dots for them. And maybe you can speak a little bit about that, about the advocacy and the education that you guys uh, put together for these, for these first responders. You know, we use the saying over, overlooked and underserved quite often uh, within that community because, you know, understandably a lot of people uh, in our industry in our profession are focused on maybe the higher net worth or the doctors or uh, you know some other specialty group that um, you know has I think uh, in theory maybe has more investable you know assets higher net worth whatever it may be and, and we do see that this community isn't necessarily in focus uh, for the advisory community to be a priority so um, they, they definitely do have, uh, have unique needs. We want to go out and, and help them. Uh, and, and again, part of that is because of our roots, our legacy. Part of Jason's still very active in, you know, and he's in the firehouse. Uh, he serves, you know, he serves on the board and uh, he's in the firehouse with you. So these guys are constantly coming up, asking questions, et cetera. But, um, you know, what we found uh, was, the, the, especially on the police side, there is a natural forum for the police officers to receive education. And we've been pulled into various criminal justice academies as subject matter experts to teach kind of the, you know, make the connection between financial planning and the unique benefits that, that all that the first responder community have because they can typically retire sooner, they have hazardous duty supplement benefits, things of that nature not to oversimplify, but they do have a unique benefit. So we're brought in to teach kind of how do you plan and prepare for retirement? How do you make sure you optimize these benefits? And in the process of doing so, you know, you build trust. They, they appreciate what you're doing. We certainly appreciate what they're doing. But the thing that we started to see was, you know, in the police academies, they're receiving this education. And we began to get increasingly concerned that there, there was no natural forum. There's no fire training academy similar to you, that you would see with the, the police training academies. Um, there was not a natural forum for the fire side. So we had started to invite fire chiefs into the classroom and to hear what we were teaching to the brethren on the police side. And, and, and once we did that, we started to see them say, hey, wait a minute, why don't you come to our firehouse? Come to the Virginia Fire Chiefs Association and talk about what you guys do. 
one of the most influential chiefs that we worked with, he made the comment to us, I wish I'd have known 20 years ago the information that you guys are sharing with me today. Had someone brought this to us 20 years ago, there were a lot of things that I could have done differently in planning and preparing for my future. And that's powerful. You know, when you, when you see that, when you feel that impact, and, and when they uh, recognize that personally, you know, they, they've started to go out and advocate and really push to get, um, you know, to get the outreach piece of this, you know, to get the younger folks involved, start planning earlier and, and uh, don't wait till you, you really don't have any options left. Many examples, many stories I could share on that, but you know, that's kind of the gist of how we do it, why we do it, et cetera. You know, too, and the other part of this, Barry, is philanthropy, right? Because I, I know you guys are involved, you know, philanthropically. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you, you do, a lot of annual giving, and you're involved in support. So it's, it's another thing for, I think, people to take away from this discussion, right? So you think about that marketplace, and, and maybe there are multiple advisors listening to this that have a specific marketplace. I think when I look at your firm, the success of your firm, it shows your full commitment to that marketplace, right? The philanthropic side of it is, is kind of, it almost like completes the circle, right? The advocacy, the education, and then philanthropy. Maybe just speak a little bit about that as far as what you do there. Cause I think it's important for people to understand as they segment their markets. Sure. We, uh, you know, typically as many folks that, that have practices across the country understand, you have folks reaching out to you constantly. Hey, can you support this out of the other? It begins to get very difficult to understand or determine that selection criteria as to where we should make contributions and what types of organizations, events, whatever it may be uh, that we should be supporting, charities, et cetera. So, uh, for us, we've really, I think our niche market has actually allowed us to kind of look at, at the way we support various causes. And, and we've redirected pretty much all of our, not I wouldn't say 100%, but a heavy majority of our annual giving, et cetera, is focused on various organizations, uh, nonprofits, et cetera, uh, that, that are, are designed to benefit the first responder community, or you know, one of the big events that we that we support is a is a uh, local it's a bass fishing tournament that is uh, run by one of the sheriff's departments in our region. But all the proceeds for it are actually the, the money is raised for the Special Olympics, and that's a fantastic event each year. It's a, extremely popular in our area, and we we love being part of that. So, but it's yeah, you know, serving a niche market like that has allowed us to be able to focus our our efforts. And we also, you know, we go out to various jurisdictions around the state and, um, you know, we take significant time out of the office to, to go in and teach. We don't ask, you know, we're not, we're not asking, ever asking anybody to pay us to teach the classes and, and we don't do it with an expectation that there's going to be any individual business that comes out of it. It's, it's, it's truly a, um, you know, it's a commitment and a passion that we both share and, uh, we want to go out and educate and advocate, and we believe that that by doing that and doing the right things, uh, certainly long term, that goodwill uh, ultimately will will um, you know be, come as a result of those efforts. So um, it's partly uh, financial and and obviously partly an investment of time for us. Yeah, and you know Barry, that's part of the cultural fit, right? You know, I think about we built a business around that very concept, right? About about just creating value, right? The idea is that look, if we deliver and create value for people, we trust that in business revenue is going to follow that, right? It's not about creating things to drive revenue; 
It's about creating things to present value to the individuals we serve. And then that's, that's part of why we're doing this is, you know, this very discussion. I think about this conversation and then I'm going to get into a little bit into your operations here as to, you know, what's taken place in this pandemic and in this, you know, crazy new environment we're in in a second. But what I want people to hear, part of what we're trying to get across here, Barry, and um, with this podcast and to get, you know, the reach that we're trying to create is to open up opportunities for advisors to see the opportunity to partner together, you know, that we're better together, you know, as, as opposed to apart. And, and so if, you know, what I would say is that you guys have done this tremendous amount of work in this space. There are plenty of advisors that have relationships in this space that could benefit from a partnership, right? That could, that, that could benefit from engaging. So, you know, I'd be lost on this discussion for people. If you're out there, you're listening to this and you say, you know, uh, you know what, it triggered something. I have a passion for that, or I have relationships in that space. You know, it would be a great opportunity for you to engage with the folks at Madison Financial Strategies, specifically we'll get you connected with Barry to talk about how you could partner together. Because I think, you know, that's a big, big uh, uh, focus of mine Really, as we engage into the industry, Barry, we, we have to get past this, you know, mind, mind, mind mentality. We, we have to recognize all of us have very special talents, very special expertise in specific areas of this business, and we all have opportunities. And so I think this would be a great time for people to think about that. And that's really part of what we're trying to create. And I know, Barry, that you, you've always, you know, looked at the idea of doing joint work with people as something that you're very interested in, you know, as we, we move into, obviously, the future and into this discussion. And so certainly, like I said, I, rather than trying to go out and build this yourself, you engage with a group of people that have been doing this in this space. And I know that you'd be willing to partner and you do partner with, with people all over the place here, Barry. So maybe you can just touch on that for a second. Absolutely. And you, you bring up a really important point, and it's something that for us, you know, we as independents, right? And we're talking, obviously, the, the bulk of everybody that, that you guys are working with are, are in that independent space. And when you leave sort of the, the mothership, right? And, and many of us grew up in a, in a maybe a, some sort of a captive model, if you will, and, and migrated to independence. What I have seen and found over the years is the idea, um, the idea sharing, right? The ability to do joint work and all that it becomes increasingly difficult as we all go out and we have our own little offices versus when we're in, let's say, a, a branch office somewhere and we've got a bunch of different guys, you know, that you can talk around the water cooler, so to speak, or, you know, pick each other's brains. It becomes increasingly difficult for us to pick up and gain on those just nuggets of knowledge that happen as a byproduct of that environment. So it's increasingly important, uh, I believe, that, that we... Uh, find opportunities to engage each other to and I love what you are doing with this podcast because it gives us a chance to kind of lean in and look and hear and see what others are doing. I love going to um, events that that are either a broker dealer or different you know sponsors or pinnacle or whatever has because it's 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 you know one of the few opportunities throughout the year that we get to talk to other advisors and learn from each other. So I'm a huge advocate for that. And to your point about specialization, you know, um, I, I'm all about, you know, joint work. I believe all ships rise and rising tide. You know, we work as a team, our business, uh, we do all of our business jointly. And we, we believe that by doing that, it keeps all of our interests aligned. Um, we all have different hats that we wear, but we, we take, you know, the philosophy of two heads are better than one. We put it all together and go out and, and we work as a single unit, not as a silo, 
right? We're a collection of silos. Uh, and then if, if you look at, at the individual space that we serve, what I can tell you is, because we've had this conversation with plenty of people who say, hey, listen, I know someone that's, you know, I know a police officer or a police chief or whatever. You know, it takes a long time to build credibility in those communities, particularly in the police side. They're naturally, you, you know, I think by nature of what they do, they're trained to be a bit skeptical, if you will. The fire guys are, are very different than that, but both of them have one very distinct similarity in this. They're a tight-knit fraternity. So if, if they don't know who you are or have a well-documented understanding of the work that you do and people that you've worked with and, and for, you know, earning that trust is difficult. And so, you know, for us, though, we've got decades of experience in that arena. And so we have dozen to 15 different chiefs, for example, um, and city managers that, that, that we work with as personal clients that has been very beneficial for us because, you know, they've seen our work. They have obviously the influence to be able to reach out and say, hey, listen, I think you should talk to these guys. Here's their specialization. Let them come in and talk to your people. Here's the impact that they can make. And that's been extremely beneficial. So in working jointly, uh, I always look at it and say, listen, 50% of something is a lot better than 100% of nothing. And, and we very much embrace that mindset when it comes to working together collaboratively um, in joint partnerships. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I mean, we like to call it here at the Pinnacle Group, we like to call it an abundance mentality, right? I mean, that's like you said, this is really kind of the focus. And, you know, it's going to be really, I think I was, I forget, I was having this conversation with Lawrence Adamo, who's a good friend of mine out in California. You know, I was talking to Lawrence about that and saying, look, this is my commitment, uh, you know, and, and really our commitment as a firm is to, is to continuously highlight that. Say, guys, look, we, we have incredibly talented professionals that are very successful. And, you know, you, you bring people together that way and you find a cultural fit, people that are interested in delivering value. And the results are incredibly significant for your relationships, for your clients, for your business, for all those things. So I love it, Barry. And, you know, again, you know, I, I, that's one thing I applaud you for. This thought process around the abundance mentality is something that we really, really subscribe to and love it. So let me transition now and talk about, you know, obviously something that's front of everybody's mind. And that really is this new world and environment we're in. I was in an executive meeting today with my partners and, and talking about what the future of our business looks like. And, you know, I can tell you, we've been basically 100% virtual or for the most part, you know, 99% virtual here over the last three months. You know, it's, it's obviously changing the landscape of how our business is conducted. You know, and there's a lot of things that have to happen. There's connectivity with clients, which, you know, which for us are advisors like you. There's the operation side of things. So for you guys in, in the world that you're in right now, what changes have you made to stay connected with your clients during this pandemic? That's a very um, obviously timely, but, but a, a, to me, important, I guess, item that we all have to address and accept as we're, you know, we're in the middle of this storm, if you will. You know, for us, we've got a little bit of luck uh, as far as we nobody saw this coming, but we had started taking some measures probably a year plus ago, actually give credit where credit is due with working with you guys and your all's implementation of Zoom meetings, et cetera, pick the team's brain a bit. And, and we started working with Zoom, I don't know, a year or so ago and really pushing that out further and further engage, you know, giving our clients the option to work with us and, and, and have meetings by Zoom, by conference call, or in person. Uniquely, I, I think where we are in the DC market, our clients, you know, many of our clients 
I would say many of the, particularly the first responder community, many of them end up retiring and going somewhere else. And so we've evolved to have clients all across the country. And, and, and we've almost had to embrace some of this uh, work remote digital world. And, and so I, that's the luck piece, right? Where it just kind of was evolving for us and, and either we needed to adapt or we were gonna lose clients. So, you know, fast forward to what we've been dealing with the last few months, it, it has been remarkable how quickly all of our clients have, have shifted. And so, you know, we had sat down at the beginning of the year and created a, a map, if you will, for every single client that we have, when we were going to have review meetings with them, whether it was going to be in-person, Zoom, conference call, et cetera, and identifying that, that schedule and our assistant was, was then managing that throughout. Well, obviously, you know, the in-person meetings, the conference calls, whatever, everything very quickly shifted over to Zoom. And we have absolutely been blown away by how quickly our clients have embraced it. We were struggling with it in the beginning. And what we learned was those struggles lie, I think, more with us than they do with our clients. We didn't want them to feel alienated or devalued in any way by saying, hey, look, we're not going to have this next review meeting in person. We're going to do it by Zoom. Well, what we found was they really liked the idea that they can sit in their living room for a four o'clock meeting and have a glass of wine uh, and, and, and while we're having a, a meeting and they don't have to spend 20, 30, 40 minutes or longer in many cases. I mean, traffic in our area is not good. Um, so they have to travel to our office, conduct a meeting and then travel home. It's a tremendous time savings for our clients. So just the implementation of digital meetings such as Zoom has been absolutely incredible and fortunately for us we were up and running with it and weren't having to react once this started it was just a quick shift we communicate with the clients we're doing zoom meetings from here on out until further notice and and so we've not had any actually not only have we not had any slowdown in business it's created a major uptick in business for us because we now have more time we're not on the road meetings are more efficient um and and we can schedule more meetings in a day because you know, we're not having to have people in and out of the office, et cetera. So that one piece alone has been absolutely incredible for us. <clears throat> yeah, I tell you, um, you know, obviously our industry, Barry, and I mean, you know this, you know, if, if you could point to an incredibly slow moving industry, right, <clears throat> it's the insurance industry. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen an accelerant. Obviously, it's been forced, uh, like a forced accelerant. You know, for us as a firm, the virtual idea, we, we live in, you know, we're all here in Jacksonville, Florida, as far as the home office, you know, we, we've been through several hurricanes. So much like you, the preparedness for us was kind of just flipping a switch. We've been this like the fourth time we've been fully virtual as a company. Uh, now it's just been an extended period of time. And, but I think it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's well said. And it's, I could tell you that in all of the conversations that we're having, whether it's with advisors, whether it's with executives of broker dealers, I think everybody had the same thought. Everybody was thinking, boy, this is going to be incredibly difficult to get clients to adapt to it. And what they're finding is the majority of the clients, if not all the clients, love it. They much, it's much, we, we always have to find ways, whether it's the insurance industry, whether it's our platform, kind of working with the advisor and not being invasive to the advisor's business, and really the advisor not being invasive to the client's day-to-day. And the, the idea that, you know, you can have somebody sitting in their living room with a glass of wine at four o'clock having this discussion, I think, and, you know, the simplicity and the ad adaptation of the technology to engage it. And I appreciate, obviously, the plug you gave us. It's something we've been doing for a long time. And, and, uh, and we see, really, this is the future of, 
kind of our business. And that's something I want to ask you. So this COVID-19, this pandemic, how do you see it impacting the future of our in industry? What does our industry look like going forward? I obviously expect, you know, I, we use the term America 2.0. We hear that thrown around a lot. And um, within our industry, I think we have to accept the fact that um, we're not going to go rushing back to the way things were before. And in and, and, and our industry or any industry out there, um, things are just not going to revert back to the way they were before. We had a, um, I would con consider an evolution, and some may even call it a revolution occurring uh, with the move to this digital age and, you know, fintech, et cetera, in our industry. Well, the, the COVID-19 pandemic has, has put that on, on acceleration. There's a hyper adaption that needs to happen because we've all been forced into this, this new world. Um, you know, some people are embracing it and some people I've heard, you know, some advisors are saying, I can't meet with my clients in, in person. I, I just, I can't conduct business. And the reality of it is, is that, um, it, you know, while we'll go back, certainly, I think we have to be realistic to the, the fact that the digital, you know, remote engagement, remote workforce, et cetera, is here to stay. And maybe it's not, okay, but I, I think we would all be better served to, to go ahead and plan and prepare and, and over-prepare for that and be wrong, okay, because there's certainly um, no great loss in preparing for that. And then, you know, things kind of gradually migrate back to the way they were before. But if, if, if they don't and we're not prepared, then that's going to be extremely disruptive to our industry and to people's businesses and livelihoods, et cetera. Um, so we, uh, you know, we very much are embracing the fact that things are going to be different. And we've been working that way for a while. You know, I, I use the ex example, I, I live two hours away from uh, our, our main office. Um, you know, we've got, I've got a business partner that's two hours away, or, you know, one's two hours away, one's a little further than two hours away. Um, I've got an assistant that's a, a couple hours away, and I've got one that's in Iowa, right? And we, we all interact I mean, very, very rarely are we ever, ever, ever in the same place at the same time, um, probably less than 5% of the time, uh, if that. And, uh, but we have found how to you know, leverage technology and efficiencies to work very seamlessly, whether it's Skype, Zoom, et cetera. Um, and, and, you know, part of that was us sort of looking and saying the future will be different, right? The, the idea that we're always going to sit down in person and meet the way that we have traditionally um, we just don't see that as the future. So um, the, the, the current pandemic we're dealing with, no doubt, is going to accelerate that, that transition. And, you know, I'm excited about the next 10 years, quite frankly, because I feel like some of the measures that we've taken, we've seen in the last few months, um, have really uh, paid off for us. And, and we think that, that, you know, now we're just we're looking for more ways to further uh, that with our clients, whether it's digital document, you know, our applications, digital delivery on uh, policies. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to do business if it's not DocuSign. Um, so things of that nature, but no doubt it's a new world in front of us and we either have to embrace it or, or we're going to struggle. You know, going back, you mentioned, you know, you said credit where credit is due about the Zoom thing and you talked about, uh, you know, us and our adoption of that. What I, I'll go ahead and flip the script on you and say credit where credit is due. And, and a lot of the advisors may have seen our online resource center the development of the online resource center, the be able to engage and do business completely digitally and virtually with a client. And the genesis of that was a conversation you and I had. 
and so you know you know that that goes back to this idea of kind of listening to the partners that we serve right and when you said to me on a call you, you know when this thing first started you said you know what would be incredibly helpful is if we had a one place to go where we can conduct all that business and there were carriers where we knew it was fully digitized from front to back and you know, that was the, that conversation was the genesis of the build out for our online resource center. So I'll flip that back to you and say credit where credit is due that. So if any of you have had the opportunity to take a look at our online resource center, understand kind of the brainchild behind that was Barry and the conversation that we had with Barry and we continue to, it continues to evolve. You know, one of the things I love Barry about you and about how you approach the business is your process mindset. You know, you're so focused on creating and developing that process, which is what I think has led you to the type of success that you've had as an advisor. And, you know, the, the last question I'll ask you is when we start talking about, because, okay, it's one thing to serve the existing clients. Now we got to talk about growth, right? How are we going to grow in this environment? And, you know, what are we doing? What are you specifically doing to shift how you conduct business, specific to business development right now? you know, through this kind of pandemic and even going forward. So what are you, some of your thoughts there about how you, you, you can, you know, you're going to leverage into the future and grow the business going forward? Great question. So we are really working to rethink and reinvent how we conduct business development because we don't know how long this is going to play out. We don't, you know, is there going to be a round two? We, we don't know, but we're not going to sit around and wait to find out. And so you know, one I mentioned, you know, we're brought into various criminal justice academies, for example, to teach. Well, uh, you know, the May session was already canceled. We've got a June one coming up in a couple of weeks. We fully expect that that's going to be canceled as well. And, and so where we were typically brought in to engage people one-on-one -on -one and in person, we're now questioning, you know, what's the long-term viability of that? So we're exploring ways to create digital content where we will teach these classes and push them out to the various jurisdictions and groups and then maybe schedule you know hey listen you can here's the here's here's our class and then we'll schedule one-on-one -on -one days where we can you know meet with people through zoom and have uh, you know quite q a sessions we're using uh, we're developing actually working with your all's team ed and, and the team we're finalizing some website uh, improvements and then ultimately we've never been big in, into the social media space. It's just never been something for us. There's additional uh, compliance, I would call it headaches, that have, have come from that in, in the past that um, we've avoided. But the reality of it is, is that, that we can no longer afford to avoid that. Uh, we have to evolve and embrace it. And so we're going to be working with, with social media. We're, we're looking at various platforms that allow us to advertise through social media, et cetera. So very much, you know, again, looking out into the future and saying, hey, how can we not only exist, but how we want to thrive. We don't want to just kind of maintain a status quo because if you're not growing, you're dying, right? And uh, we want to thrive. And I, I don't think that it would be a, a, a surprise for anyone to, I think, see, feel, realize that the future is a heck of a lot more digital than not. And so, you know, we've got to embrace those those new mediums and, and go out and, and use them to our benefit. So very much focused on that right now and building processes around, you know, bit digital business development. Well, listen, Barry, let me, let me just kind of take some of your words here. So, you know, and, and this is just so really number one, it's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you. I think it's, it's, it's really an incredible uh, value that th there's, there's so much that people can l look at and learn from what you guys are doing 
uh, in the space, and I applaud you for that. You know, for, for going and engaging an overlooked and underserved market really is the way that you identified it, and being comprehensive in the solutions that you provide by connecting the dots along the way to retirement for these, uh, for these folks. And, you know, I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's really, really, um, number one, a, a real opportunity for advisors that are out there that are listening to this. If you have just, even if you just want to connect, I know Barry, I know you, you would be open to this too, is to talk through kind of the thought process around creating uh, the processes that you engage in running the business and just kind of talk about, uh, especially if there are opportunities in the specific market that we're, we're talking about here, which is in the first responder community. And so let's, uh, let's make sure everybody understands that and sees that there, you know, again, what we're trying to do is create an environment where advisors can share, can learn from each other, can work together, and can grow their practices. And I applaud you, number one, and thank you, number two, for your friendship and partnership. Now, let's get back to the important piece of this, right? Because the three things we heard about Barry at the beginning of this conversation is that his favorite sport is baseball. He's an avid guitar, avid guitar player, and his favorite color is pink. Now, I have some thoughts about what the answer is here, but Barry, Give us the big reveal. Give me the two true things and and uh, and what's the lie? I know I'm, I'm going to put you. I'm going to put you back on the spot here. I'm going to need you to. I, I want to hear your thoughts on on the answer here, and then and then I'm going to give you my. Uh, I'll give you the reveal. So take All a right. stab. All right. So what what I'm going to say here is I'm going to say yes to your favorite sport being baseball, and I'm going to say yes to your favorite. I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes that your favorite color is pink because you don't strike me. As a matter of fact, I think this is unfair because you know my background. I was a professional musician at one point. I play alto and tenor saxophone and percussion, yeah. and we talked about this, <clears throat> yeah. which I think you told me during that conversation, I never learned to play any instrument. I don't have any, inst I don't have any talent with regard to that. So I think I got that, yeah. but tell me if I'm right. You're correct. That, yes. that, was a, that was a layup. I gave you a layup on that you, one. So You did. And, you uh, gave me a layup. I, but yes, my favorite color is pink. And I've, I've long tried to understand that. Uh, being a, uh, an outdoorsman, a baseball guy, I, I, I love to uh, spend my time, you know, in the woods hunting and fishing and whatnot. And the favorite color pink is a little inconsistent with that, I, I, I suppose. But uh, I've got three older sisters. So my childhood and my life was filled with with pink, I guess. That, that's the best. There you go. That's a, that's, a, that's the easiest example. Um, we can blame it on them. Barry. We can, we can, can blame, it blame it on, on my them. sisters. So it was always abundantly present everywhere I went. So I used to try to convince myself I needed to change it to orange or red or something else. And I finally just said, you know what? I'm going to accept it. I'm going to embrace it. I like the color pink and I'm comfortable enough in my skin to accept that, uh, that distinction. I so. love it. I love it. Well, listen, man, I appreciate uh, you taking the time today, man. It was great. And we'll look forward to having, you know, more of these in the future and very have an awesome afternoon and an awesome week. And I appreciate you taking the time with us today.